This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And you know what? I probably should have done this earlier, but here we go. And he's very well known uh, to a lot of different hockey markets, whether it's Edmonton, whether it's Philadelphia, whether it's Minnesota, whether it's Columbus, whether it's Toronto. Uh, congratulations to former NHLer and former coach, Keith Acton, uh, who is now a politician officially today. Um, Keith won his race for Ward 3 in my hometown of Stouffville. Congratulations, Keith. Um, player turned politician. There's no shortage of that in the history of the NHL, and a lot of those are well-documented. C. Kelly, C. Mahovlich, etc. Keith Acton joins that crowd. Ward 3 in Stouffville. Congratulations uh, to Keith Acton. Uh, We're not getting Kevin Kurz, or we are? I know he's all of a sudden real busy here, Matty. He is busy. Um, so unless he gets gotcha. back to me in the next okay. few minutes, um, he, something came up, so no, he, no he apologized. Uh, we know the drill. Uh, one of your favorite players, uh, Sam Gagne, scored again last night for the Winnipeg Jets. Sam Gagne's got three goals, bud. I know. I know. He's been good. What can we say? I mean, mm-hmm. he's he he's he was brought in to play a secondary role, and he's got three goals, and you can certainly not complain about that. Now, you know this story uh, because we talked about it off air, but yeah. should I tell the Sam Gagne story? Oh, man, this is the best. So <laughs> <laughs> Sam Gagne, is one, you've, you, if, you've, if you've listened to me or seen me long enough, you've probably heard me talk about not cheering for teams, but rather just cheering for players. And I think pretty much a lot of people have a handle on who my favorite players are around the NHL, and Sam Gagne is one of them. I think that every team can use a player like Sam Gagne, uh, I love how his work on that Columbus power play um, kind of helped revive and maybe even save his NHL career. Um, and Maddie here, my producer, Matt Marchese, has a Sam Gagne story, a brush with success Sam Gagne story. And this is right after he was, this is right after he was playing in the GTHL on that Toronto Marlies team with, uh, let me think if I get them all right. John Tavares would have been on that team. Brendan Smith would have been on that team. Justin Vive, who's Rick Vive's son, who was a real good player, uh, was on that team. I think Brian Cameron might have been on that team. And Akeem Alou uh, was on that team as well. Stacked squad, and I believe they only lost one game all season. No surprise. Yeah, and Cody, Cody Golubev was another one on that team. Um, That's it, the defenseman, yep. Yeah, so, okay, so I go out to tryouts. This would have been for the major year, so I guess we would have been 16 turning 17. And, you know, talk about Sam Gagne reviving his career. Uh, He didn't help revive mine in that tryout, but we went in on a two-on-one, and I did the old fake snapshot backdoor pass Sam Gagne tucks in on a wide open net. Like, I mean, the goalie couldn't have bit any harder than he did. He comes over to me, gives me props and goes, man, that was a great pass. And internally, I am shrieking and (laughs) chuckling at the same time. And as I said to my dad, because my dad, after the tryout, when we were in the car, says to me, what did he say to you? I said, he said that was a great pass. And I just, in my head, went, buddy, you're going into the bleeping show. I don't think that it, you, I don't think I matter very much in the grand scheme of things here. So at that point, you just, you know what you do, Maddie? You take your skates off and you leave them at center ice and you walk off because you're never going to have a better moment in hockey. 
You just say, you know what? I'm going out on top. I just fed Sam Gagne on a two-on-one. He tucked it in. I'm not doing any better than that ever. Leave your skates at center ice. Which, by the way, you've heard me talk about this before, I think. That would be like the ultimate baller move, yep. I think, for a hockey player. You know, this happens in uh, this happens in wrestling. This happens in weightlifting. Other sports, we've seen this in the octagon. I've always wanted to see a player at the, like when they're playing in their final game, Everybody knows it's their final game. Skate to center ice, take your skates off, and walk off. And then the camera does a tight one shot just of the skates at center ice. It would be one of the most iconic shots ever taken. To my knowledge, nobody has done that before. The closest thing the closest thing we've heard to that was when we had Wyatt Russell on ahead of the all-star game last year. And he was taking his equipment and giving it to fans over the glass, but not because he thought he was retiring was because he didn't want to pay to to ship his gear back to the U S from the Netherlands. Correct. So he was just giving it away. Yeah. But just leave the skates at center ice would be, I think so much, so much of, so much of a beautiful move, just like a really, really nice touch. I'm done. I'm taking my skates off. I'm leaving them here, and you walk off. That would be very uncomfortable. It'd be I very like you, cold walking off. Yeah, who cares? Think of the visual. Think of how. Think of your legacy at this point, Matt. Like that's the other thing too. It has to be like you can't just be, with all due respect, fourth line players. You can't just be like a fourth line guy who's 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 wrapping it up after playing you know a year and a half in the show at 35. No, it can't be that. It's got to be someone that's got some got some weight behind their career. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Speaking of speaking of weight, and this is not uh, it's it's because um, it's the only segue I can think of to talk about this player because he's a massive human being and he is a strong, strong man. Andrei Svechnikov has seven goals in six games, and and you've <laughs> talked about it. How does Andrei Svechnikov yeah. not score forty goals every single year? Well, Jeff. After a career-high 30 last year, you might finally get your wish. Yeah. Well, he better. He's 28. Sorry, that's an old OHL joke for when he played with the Barry Colts. Like, that is an old, old OHL joke. Listen, uh, that guy, and, and first of all, if, if he can start snapping in 40-45 consistently, you know, dare we say 50, um, all of a sudden, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes become that much more deadly. That's the obvious statement of the uh, of the program so far. Um, like, I, I honestly think that a player like Andrei Sveshnikov, um, a player like Alex DeBrinkett, who's, you know, snapped in 40 uh, before as well. You know, we always think of, you know, the the obvious ones for the Rocket Richard. We talk about Ovechkin and we talk about Austin Matthews, Kyle Connor, these types of players. There's no reason why Andrei Svechnikov, especially on this Carolina team, can't win a Rocket Richard. And there's probably no reason why Alex DeBrinkett you know, there's no reason why he can't win a Rocket Richard as well. But the thing about Svet, the, Svet, the Svechnikov thing has always astounded me. Just at how great that, I mean, I guess to Brink it's the same way. Just how great that shot is and how quickly he's able to, to, to get it off his stick. And it's not as if he's not going to get the opportunities to do it. Um, I love him. I'm and like you, like many people, you're just waiting, waiting, waiting. You know, when's it going to happen? When's he going to be the 50 goal guy? Well, get the 41st, pal. Uh, it looks like Andrei Sveshnikov is finally on his way. Like, he could be, and there's some great left-wingers in the game, but he could be one of the best left-wingers in the game. He has that capability. Again, 
things existing in two states, potentiality and actuality. Right now, it's still potential, but he could be, you know, if everything breaks his way and everything, he could be like a top five left winger in the game someday, somewhere down the road. I just think that guy's got so much talent. What do yeah, you think? he has so much, he's so much talent, but he's all, like, he, he just, he gives you that kind of, that, like, his size and his speed is like that prototypical scoring left winger, right? That's how I kind of look at mm-hmm. at him. And and we all, and you know what, Jeff? Like, he's been in the league a long time. We forget that this guy is still only 22 years old. It's crazy because this is hang now season. He's, hang on. He's, he's, he's Rasmus Dalin draft. Yes. Yeah. He's number two. Right. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's number two. And then you Sperry cut Kenyemi and Brady Kachuk. Like he's, it, it, again, it feels like Svechnikov has been around longer than he actually has. Maybe it feels like Rasmus dalin has been around longer than he has, but like Dalin's already making noise that he's one of the best defensemen in the NHL. And I see no reason why Svechnikov can't win the rocket Richard. No question. Absolutely no question. Uh, Jeff, you like revenge, right? Who doesn't? As yeah. long as it's not against me. No, it, it won't be. It won't be. But uh, Alexander uh, Gorgiev starting. Gorgiev yeah. against the Rangers? Yeah, I think he's going to get lit up like a Christmas tree tonight. <laughs> Rangers got some scorers, man. Rangers got some shooters. Rangers, uh, Rangers are a real good team. Yeah, you know, it's always, uh, <laughs> but it, it's always extra spicy when it's a goalie. Um, but yeah, it's always good to watch the uh, the player go back to the old market for the first time. Um, the thing about Georgiev, I can't remember who mentioned this to me. Might have been Shana Goldman, who said that you know if you look at the career, it looks like Georgiev always excelled when he got a lot of time. Like when he had like lengthy runs, like you're going to play, you know, the the majority of time for three months and he could get into a groove. Some goaltenders, uh, they don't mind. They could just come in and do spot duty. That's what made, you know, Moose the best, one of the best backup goaltenders uh, of all time. Bunny LaRock may have been the best backup goaltender uh, of all time. But but Hedberg was that guy. He could just come on, ah, no problem. Uh, you need me, I'm there. I can get a win for you. Um, but Georgiev was always the guy that needed that, again, according to the numbers, he needed those long stretches of play. Uh, And he wasn't going to get that because, listen, as we know, the New York Rangers have had an embarrassment of riches in net. They go seamlessly from Richter to Lundqvist, now to Igor Shosturkin. Good luck being the quote-unquote backup uh, and getting extended looks here and and getting extended play. Uh, Listen, I hope he does well. I always like it when the return works out. And tonight, you know, one of ten, the Colorado Avalanche face off against the Rangers. That's an eight o'clock Eastern start. Um, you know, you try to watch parts of every single game. That's probably one you're gonna want to pay more attention to, just because of what you mentioned. Georgiev back at MSG. There's some good ones tonight, eh? Like I'm always interested in in Boston and Dallas, and we're gonna talk to Billy Jaffe about this um, uh, about this game. Uh, an hour or two. You can watch this one on East Ontario and Pacific. Uh, that's a 7 o'clock Eastern start. For whatever reason, and maybe it just goes back to the old days before they were the Dallas Stars and they were the Minnesota North Stars. Um, these two teams have like had some of the roughest games in NHL history, the Stars and the Bruins. 
And I know a lot of it 70s and 80s style was just because, you know, that was the way those two teams were constructed. But, you know, I've made the point before, like, let's not forget the year the Boston Bruins won the Stanley Cup in 2011. You know, even a couple of weeks before the Super Bowl, you know, Boston wasn't playing that great. Like they didn't go into that season and, you know, run the table all season long. There was a whole lot of, is this going to work? And there was a game against the Dallas Stars and, you know, uh, uh, Danny Paye ends up taking like a three-gamer against Ray Sawada and it's a violent matchup. And it it totally turns around the Boston Bruins season. And ever since, I mean, even before that, there were really rough encounters between these two teams. Now, the NHL is a much different place, although if you look at last season and the beginning of this of, of this season, like, do you not get the feeling that the NHL is starting to nudge back to its... I don't want to say old ways, but physical hockey is um, is becoming much more of a theme around the NHL now, more so than in the last four or five years. That where the accent, you know, was on speed and skill, speed and skill, speed and skill. Don't worry about finishing your check. Just worry about having a good stick. Now it's kind of about yeah, you do finish your check. Yeah, you lay in a little bit extra. And if someone gets hurt or dinged up, so be it. Hockey's a rough sport. Uh, the sport is kind of trending back this this way anyhow. That's big picture. Um, but the Bruins and Stars always have rough matchups for whatever reason, Maddie. For whatever reason. Can I give you? A, can I give you my theory on on the the physicality coming back? Just on the big picture thing. Sure. Okay. The to be to have a team that that plays. Uh, more physically i feel is like the great equalizer in the sport because there are so because it's trended so far in the other way for the last couple of years that the teams that are able to have a good blend of both have separated themselves because if you look at a team like vegas if you look at at a team you know like the tampa bay lightning who can play kind of whichever style that you want. Florida goes out and adds Matthew Kachuk because they want to be a little bit nastier and harder to play against. Like those types of teams are the ones that get it done. And I think that because the sport trended so far in the opposite direction where there were games where teams are throwing no hitters, basically. Now we see that teams are going, well, hold on a second. You can't you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again. You have to differentiate yourself somehow. And this is like when I and I know it's not the same level, but coaching minor hockey and I tell them if you guys go out and finish every check like nobody wants to play against that. I always hated playing against teams that every time you touch the puck that they finished your check. Because that, it makes the game harder. Yeah. And I think that today's player is just like a lot of us were in that I don't like to get hit. So I'm my style is going to have to change a little bit as well. But the teams that do that well and they do it consistently, I think they are the mm. difference makers in the league. And that teams have finally realized that after going so far the other way. There's a couple of things. One, I think um, a lot of it might do with skill parity in the NHL. Like there are superstars. We all know who the superstars are. But uh, but by and large, if you can't skate. There's no room for you here. Like, have you uh, go to an NHL game? Heck, go to a college game, go to a junior game, uh, and ask yourself one question: Where have the bad skaters gone? 
right? Because there used to be bad skaters. There are no bad skaters anymore. And where once upon a time, only three or four guys on the team, maybe even only one or two, could actually really shoot the puck. Now everybody shoots the puck. So what's the one thing that can give you an edge over another team? And I think it's one thing that we probably don't talk about a lot. And it's actually two things. One, intimidation. And two, the ability, and this might even be more important, the ability to not be intimidated. We mentioned, Elliot and I were talking about this on the podcast the other day, and I was bringing up the example of Borea Salming, who to me, and we're all thinking of what, you know, we're thinking of Borea and what he's going through right now uh, with ALS. Um, he was the ultimate player who refused to be intimidated. And we can think back to the beatings the Philadelphia Flyers gave him. We can think back to the assault by Mel Bridgman. And he refused to change and he refused to be intimidated and refused to cower. This was always that Red Wings model with like Datsuk and Franzen and Zetterberg and Lidstrom and all that. You can run at us all you want. You can try to run us out of the building. Our power play is going to be our enforcer. I've always thought one of the best, like one of the amazing skills that doesn't get talked about a lot, Maddie, is the ability to not get scared and to not get intimidated and to not let someone on the other team change the way you play. Because this game gives you every opportunity to back out of things. It gives you every opportunity to be intimidated, to be scared. And so one thing we don't talk a whole lot about is the intimidation. Now, we think of intimidation just as fighting generally, but I think it's more than that. I think it is finishing checks. I, I think it is... Um, I think it is, you know, how you behave around players on the ice. And whether you want to admit it or not, it's a skill set. Skating, shooting, passing, all of it. Those are all skills that go into making a hockey player. And I would also add intimidation and the ability to not be intimidated as well. Uh, all right, we'll hit a break here, top of the hour break. Uh, Ryan Callahan from ESPN joins me here in a couple of moments. He was tough, too. Uh, when he played. But next, oh no, sorry, Billy Jaffe, bottom of hour two, Ryan Callahan. Next, we get on the Bruins page and a tour around the NHL with Callahan from ESPN. Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360. most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And we got 10 games tonight. Welcome to Hour 2, by the way. We got 10 games tonight around the NHL and a few uh, beauties. And welcome back, Patrick Laine. Skating on a line this morning with uh, Johnny Gaudreau and Boone Jenner. That's a nice line. Always better when line. Spe- yeah, you know what? Speaking of Rocket Richard, I was making that point about Svechnikov and Alex Dabrinkit. I'll say the same thing about Patrick Laine. When are we going to see the 50 out of him? Uh, just stay healthy. Just stay healthy. Again, for me, nobody scores from distance with more consistency than Patrick Laine. He's back for the Blue Jackets tonight as they face off against the Coyotes. There are four games at 7 o'clock. Can we get one 7.30 start to kind of stagger things a little bit for us that are active with the thumbs and flipping around and want to have a bunch of... Anyway, Bruins and the Stars. We'll talk to Billy Jaffe about the the Bruins coming up at the bottom of the hour. Brandon Carlo returns uh, to the lineup there. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. 
will be in net for the Minnesota Wild. The struggling Wild as they face off against the Montreal Canadiens. It is the Wings and the Devils. Uh, the return of Georgiev to MSG as the Rangers face off against Georgiev and the Avalanche, Panthers and the Hawks. Penguins and Flames, 9 o'clock Eastern, Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet West. That could be a good one. Uh, tough one last night, doubled up by the Oilers uh, were the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sabres in Seattle as the Sabres wrap up their road trip. The Bolts and the Kings at 10.30 Eastern and also at 10.30 Eastern. Phil Kessel becomes the NHL's all-time Iron Man as the Vegas Golden Knights face off against the San Jose Sharks. Maybe we'll begin that conversation uh, with Ryan Callahan here from ESPN. Ryan, how are you today, buddy? Good, Jeff. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, no, no. Pleasure is all mine. There's a few things before I sort of drill down on teams and games and all that. Uh, I want to ask you about Phil Kessel and the Iron Man streak. So tonight he becomes uh, the NHL's Iron Man of all time. Uh, one of the things that I was pointing out on the program yesterday, which I thought was a really nice touch by the Philadelphia Flyers with Keith Yandel. So Yandel gets the Iron Man. Um, uh, record last season, and everybody knows that Kessel is chasing him and will probably overtake him, and it was going to be you know, the end of the career at the end of the season last year for Keith Yandel, and I thought what the Flyers did was real nice in that they gave him enough runway after he got the record so that Phil Kessel couldn't catch him that season. He could enjoy the remainder of the season as the Ironman, enjoy a summer uh, with that title before inevitably surrendering it, as he will tonight, uh, to Phil Kessel. Do you have a thought on Ironman streaks in general? On the one hand, you know, we should applaud people that go to work every day. On the other hand, you know, some people will say, well, hockey is a sport that you shouldn't be able to play every day if you're, quote-unquote, playing it the right way. Where do you fall in on the <laughs> Ironman streak discussion? It's, it's, it's impressive from a, from a guy who, unfortunately, I don't – you know, had a tough time playing a full season without injury. Um, you know, to see these guys play as long as they have. And, you know, even, you know, you, you talk about different styles and, and different things, but I mean, it's not like Phil Kessel doesn't get hit out there. It's not like, you know, he doesn't go to the front of the net every once in a while. He's, you know, to avoid illnesses, to avoid a pulled muscle here and there. Um, you know, no, no doubt he's actually, he's played through obviously injuries and, and bumps and bruises and the same thing as, could be said for Yandel. Um, it's impressive. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the will to, to play as many years as they have and not miss a single game. It's, I, I honestly can't wrap my head around it. I, I really can't, um, yeah. you know, playing as long as I did, but it's, it's impressive. It's nice. It's, it's something they should be proud of. Um, and I, I think that was, you know, what I can't, you know, you know, you know, you know, go, go ahead. I was just saying it, uh, it also was, really did there was, was impressive. Yes. Yeah, that's a that this that's a Chuck Fletcher's a class guy, man. Like <laughs> Chuck Fletcher is, is a is a real class guy. The one thing that I can't believe because you know, injury is one thing. You know what I can't believe that they dodged and maybe we look at the testing sideways for these two players. I can't believe they both dodged COVID. I, I know, right? Castle. I mean, it's it's wild. It's wild to think about it and all. And not even just COVID, just you see guys come down with the flu, come down with a stomach bug, um, you know, right. things like that that happen throughout a career. I mean, you know, those things happen, you know, food poisoning, anything like that. Um, you know, so to be able to dodge all that stuff, it's uh, it, it's amazing. It's it's quite an honor. So um, congratulations to both of them. And I was hoping last night that uh, Phil's goal would have stand, um, you know, and, and he yeah. would have got that one, his 400th on the night he tied it. 
that would have been pretty special. But in, in Phil fashion after the game, it was pretty good. You know, the interview was, yeah, it is what it is, you know. What are you going to do? And uh, and that's Phil. <laughs> uh, that's Phil. And, you know, there's some, you know, there's some great story. I remember Colby Armstrong, you know, told me the story once when they were playing with the Maple Leafs together. Uh, I think it might have been, I think it was actually picture day. Uh, that a couple of Maple Leafs players left early and took the pocket square out of his jacket and put a Wendy's napkin, you know, so the, the, the redhead with the braids, you, know, you, you can see that in the pocket square on the on the photograph, just, you know, having some fun. Like, Phil, like, laughs about all this kind of stuff, too. Um, yeah. When you were playing in the league against Phil, like, what did you think of him? Because there was really no one, I mean, up and down the wings, snapping in shots, like it's the 80s and the 90s, just rifling him over goaltender's shoulders. What did you think of Kessel, the player? Yeah, I think the thing that he didn't get enough respect for is his speed. It was like a very, you know, um, speed that it didn't look like he was coming fast, and all of a sudden he was he was kind of by you, just the way his stride was. It didn't look like he was coming at you quick. Um, but then, you know, I think the biggest thing I, I noticed is the year when I was in Tampa, we played them in the conference finals, Pittsburgh, and he was just dominant. He, he was such a good player. Um, a huge reason why they won the Cup that year, but – I remember every game of that series was, you know, you were on your heels every time he was on the ice. He competed hard. And, and as we talk about injuries and things like that, like everybody jokes around about, you know, Phil and, and being laid back and, and everything else, but he competed. I, I mean, he, he, he cares, he, yeah. you know, he, he, he puts himself into it. So, um, you know, let's remember him as a player and I got a chance to play with him in the Olympics there twice. And I remember in, uh, they were sitting in Sochi and he was sitting in the stall next to me and we were getting ready for, you know, an, an afternoon practice or whatever. And, and in Phil's fashion, he looks over. He's like, Kelly, can you, can you believe we've got to do this right now? All of our teammates are out on the beach, you know, enjoying themselves. And we're going to go out here and we got to practice. <laughs> Kelly, can you believe this? You know, like, I'm joking around as Phil is. Obviously, he was happy to be there. But, um, you know, I started laughing. I'm like, oh, yeah, Kelsey, you know, it could be worse, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Let me, uh, okay, candidly, um, you're, uh, let, let's pretend right now that we have, like, you've just taken truth serum or, we, or you're, you're, uh, you're wired up to a lie detector right now. Okay, Ryan? That's uh, kind of dangerous. Answer this right. one on. I can, I can, I can play a, that game. Answer, answer, okay, answer this one as, as if we have you, you wired up with a lie detector test. What do you think of the candy cane hockey stick? I, I hate it. I don't like it. Yeah. It's not, uh, <laughs> not, it's not my style. That's for sure. <laughs> seems, seems to would work guys, for some guys. I'm though, curious but, to, uh, would, 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 guy, would guys bust on them? Would, would guys bust on them? Like you guys will have at it with everybody on the ice for, for chirping, but how much would guys get on them about the, uh, the candy cane stick? Yeah, not actually not much. I heard, um, especially not me. It's tough to chirp his stick when he's throwing the net like he is. And I'm, you know, I'm not. So, um, <laughs> you know, it seemed to, it seemed to work, work, work for him. But I remember uh, playing with Dan Girardi, good buddy of mine. And he did that too, kind of the top half is his stick for a while. And guys in the room used to give it to him all the time. He's like, you know, gee, we know you don't have much hands. You're just showing everybody you don't with your stick like that, you know? So <laughs> it's uh yeah, guys definitely gave it to him. So I'm sure Phil heard it a bunch. Yeah, who brought the barber pole into the dressing room? Are we are we giving out haircuts here? Who brought the barber pole? Um, you know, one one of the things that uh, that I was talking about before you came on, we we're talking about um, intimidation, 
in the game now. And intimidation means a whole lot of different things to a whole lot of different people. Um, you were never a shy hockey player. We know that. Um, and a lot of that led to, you know, injuries. And people look at Ryan Callahan and say, that guy played hard. Like, we don't expect Ryan Callahan to play 82 games, you know, given how he played. Um, I believe it was like 16 fights I think you had in, in your career. Like, you weren't a shy guy at all. Um, not that it necessarily means fighting, but I still think that intimidation exists in the game, but maybe more so the ability to not be intimidated. Like, did you know going into games, like, you know what? We can really lean on this guy and he'll quit. Or we can really get to this guy and intimidate him and he'll quit. So I've always felt that one of the great things, you know, like that Detroit Red Wings team with uh, with that's like Zetterberg, Lidstrom, Franz, and Holmstrom, all those guys, is they didn't get intimidated and their power <laughs> play was the enforcer. I guess it's sort of a generic question on... You know, how do you see intimidation in the game today? And do you see the ability to not be intimidated as a skill? Yeah, you know, I guess it's a loaded question. There's a lot of options there. But I, mean, I think the biggest thing for me, I think intimidation, as you said, has changed a little bit from, you know, when I first started to to where it is now, where intimidation, when I first started, you, you'd have your heavyweights sitting on the red line and, and yelling at you from the bench yeah. and, you know, things like that, where you can definitely see guys were, were faced by that, you know, and, and looking over their shoulder, seeing if that, you know, whoever it was, was, was jumping on the ice after him, after you, you, you threw a big head. And, and I think that's the biggest way back when I played was where you saw the intimidation where, you know what, maybe I don't, maybe some guys wouldn't take a run at somebody because they knew that, you know, whoever it was, Colton Orr was going to jump off the Ranger bench and, 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 and go after him. You know, so it's not the intimidation to the point where a guy is scared to play, but maybe, you know what, he's thinking twice about taking a run at one of your top guys or, you know, catching a guy with his head down where, you know what, if you play another team that doesn't have a Colton Orr, he's, he, that, that guy's running all over the ice. And, um, you know, I think in today's game where where you see it, and, and there's definitely guys that you just continuously, when you're continuously on a guy, hitting him um, every time he has the puck, and you can see some guys back away and, be a little bit shy in, in those situations, but I, I think intimidation is has lessened in the game than it, than it was before. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's. I think now instead of the fighting, it's it's more you can intimidate just by physicality of a team, or you know, then not intimidation, but just showing other teams you're not you're not going to back down. Those little scrums in front of the net, um, you know, always being a part of it. You know, coming in as a group. Um, you know, I think that's where the intimidation is shown a little bit more little bit more in today's game with ryan callahan from espn you know the, the the one player that i always pops to my mind when i think you know intimidate with skill um you know i grew up watching all of mario's career and i don't know <laughs> i saw anyone who defenders were more scared to talent challenge or get close to because of what lemieux could do with the puck when you played you know who are the guys ryan that you're like okay you know what this guy's kind of intimidating here with the skill. If I get too close, I'm really going to get embarrassed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you, yeah, you don't want to yeah. get, you know, too close to them because like, like that's like, right. We've all seen the highlights of, you know, what he did to players like, you know, Logan Couture and like, those are living forever. Mm-hmm. Like whether any guys you think like, oof, man, if I really get twisted up here, I'm living in infamy on someone else's highlight reel. Yeah. I mean, that's who, cause is a perfect example. Um, obviously playing against him. He was, he was one of those guys that did that, but, I guess as you asked the question, the guy that popped up was uh, was Kovalchuk for me. Um, 
he, I feel like he had such good hands. He'd come at you with speed. He'd come at you with, your, with his size as well. Um, and, and that was one guy that, that I always felt when I was defending or, or getting near him, you know, like if I get too aggressive here, this guy is, is definitely going to embarrass me and, and get around me. Um, you know, and then if you talk about intimidation with skill and speed and later in my career, you know, playing against a guy like McDavid, I, I've never felt that way on the ice with anybody really. I thought I always, I always kind of took it as a challenge playing against other teams, top guys and things like that. But I tell you what, I get on the ice yeah. with McDavid and you see, you see him wind up. You're, you're thinking in the back of your head, like, how am I going to defend this guy? Like, you know, like this is, it's intimidating the amount of speed he's coming at me with the amount of skill he has, um, you know, don't get embarrassed here. You know, that's probably the first time really in my career mm-hmm. that I've ever had that feeling where I'm like, Holy cow, this, this is next level, you know, and, and even sitting on a bench and watching him, you know, you find yourself in awe sometimes just, you know, completely kind <laughs> of thinking of the game. You're just watching him skate around and doing what he does almost as a fan. And, <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta shake your head for a minute and be like, hold on a minute here. I'm in the middle of a game, but um, but yeah, I mean, that's something, as you talk about intimidation, that, that right there, that's, that's, I definitely felt it when I played McDavid. You know, there was uh, I remember his first game was the Thursday night. It was against the St. Louis blues it was in St. Louis and McDavid did something that I'd never seen any forward ever do. And that is he made Jay Bowmeister turn. And like yeah, Jamie yeah. Bowmeister like didn't just see cut back to his own zone, but he like turned and skated hard back to his own zone because Connor had that kind of speed. And I said to myself, like I've seen Connor play in junior. I've seen Connor play in the GTH. I don't know up in that mm-hmm. point that I would ever have thought that someone like you know how well Jay Bowmeister skated. Yeah, yep. I couldn't see anyone making Jay Bowmeister turn. Like that's one of those I'm, things yeah. where you're just like, wow, I can't, I can't believe my eyes, right? Yeah, I hear you. Be, I mean, I'm, like you know, it's it's one thing to watch him, but to actually be on be on the ice with him and, and kind of feel his power and his speed when he gets going. It the thing he just he yeah. his hands and vision they, they they don't they're not hindered at all with with the, with the speed he's going at. You know, you, you see some guys that could skate fast, you know, that can wind it up, and but all of a sudden their hands and their mind don't don't work as fast as their feet does. I mean, his hands and his mind are are going the same speed as as his legs and. I think that's what makes him so dangerous because he's he's at top speed and he can he can make split the second decisions and make those moves with his hands or his vision and um, yeah. I think it's a package of all that that just is 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 so impressive and, and so hard to defend against. I think one of the first that we all uh, saw do that was uh, was Pavel Bure with uh, with the Vancouver Canucks. I think we we're all he had that exact same thing. The feet and the hands yep. were uh, as quick as one another. Um, let me ask about a couple of teams here. Uh, I want to talk to you about the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, you know they're they're playing Seattle. You know they just went through Western Canada like a hog in the truffles. You know <laughs> hand it to Edmonton, hand it to Calgary, hand it to the Vancouver on on Saturday. Rasmus Dahlin is emerging as one of the best player, best defensemen uh, in the NHL. Tage Thompson seems to be kind of picking up where he left off. Alex Tuck, I mean, that legend mm-hmm. continues to grow. Um, it wasn't as if the Sabres were busy in the offseason at all, other than, you know, renewing the guys that they already have. Uh, you know, Ryan, where are you at with the Buffalo Sabres right now? Yeah, I, I, I love what they're, what they're doing and what they're building. Um, you know, I, I think a successful season for them is, you know, come March, they're they're still in a little bit of a, a playoff hunt. Um, you know, they're they're right there trying to fight for a spot and having meaningful games 
you know, come March, I think that's a, a successful step for them. Um, but I, I covered a bunch of their games last year with ESPN and, and getting the chance to, you know, sit down with Donnie Granado um, and pick his brain a little bit. I was, I was just so impressed with his knowledge of not only the game, but his players. And it seemed like he really took the time to get to know his players and what each player needed to develop and, and where they were in their mm-hmm. development. Um, and then obviously I mentioned Dan Girardi before. Um, he, he works for the Sabres is now a good buddy of mine. And yep. in talking to him, he says, you know, the culture in there is, is, is unbelievable. And you can see it in their play. It's they, every player, it seems like they have a belief. Like, you know, everybody's like, we want to be here. First of all, in Buffalo, we, we, we want to play for the Buffalo Sabres. And secondly, we all believe in, in what we're building here and what we're creating. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I've just been really impressed with their growth over the last, you know, two years or so. And, Obviously, the Eichel situation, um, you know, they got out of that and, you know, they didn't miss a beat. They continued to improve, uh, bringing a guy like Tuck, like you said, that who wants to be there um, from the Syracuse area, who, who loves the Sabres. He knew the history in his first interview as a Sabres fan growing yep. up. And, and that's what they need there. They, they need guys that want to be there. And I, I think their their next challenge now, though, is is how do they lure in some, some top-end talent, right? How, how do they get those – complete game breakers in their lineup. Um, it, it's not a secret. Buffalo is not a huge free agent destination, right? So, um, you know, do they do that through, through trade or, you know, it's going to be hard now through draft because now all of a sudden they've gotten good enough where they're, you know, I see them in the middle of the pack and, and fighting for playoff spots. So, you know, they're not necessarily yeah. going to be in the lottery picks anymore. So, you know, how do they get those, you know, McKinnons or the, the Kucherovs or Stamkoses or, you know, going down the list of teams that, that have won? You know, if the, if the ultimate goal is to win a Stanley Cup, how do you get those top-end game-breakers, right? So I, mm-hmm. I think they, they're building towards something good. I think that's just going to be their next challenge and their next step is how do you fill that roster with one or two guys that can blow a game open at any moment? Um so, but I, I love what they're doing there in Buffalo. And, and as you said, I think Darlene, the way he's progressed this year, you know, now all of a sudden they got that on the back end, right? Um, he looks like he could be that game breaker from the back end, just up front. I, I definitely think they could use one or two more. And, and, and where does that come from? You know, the, the thing about Delina, I was having this conversation with someone a couple of days ago. There's like zero panic in his game now. Like there is like, is like, you know, check him for a pulse because he's not yeah. panic. He's not <laughs> forcing anything. You know what I mean? Like he's just, yep. and again, that much, that must just come with, you know, playing in the league for a long time as a, as a defenseman. I mean, he's only 22 years old, but it feels like he's been around for a dozen years or so. He's just like zero panic in his game right now. Like it must be such a wonderful way to be able to play where everything seems comfortable considering how chaotic the game is. He just seems like, yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm chill. I'm like the, I'm like the, you know, one of the best defensemen in the NHL, zero panic in his game. Almost like he's, you know, playing this thing, like he's in a rocking chair. Yeah. And I think the big thing out there is an the organization, Buffalo organization did is patience, right? You know, sometimes it takes guys a couple yeah. of years to, to, to get comfortable, especially as a D man, you know, I, I look at a guy like Victor Hedman that I, that I played with when he first came in the league, he wasn't Victor Hedman that he is now, you know, it, it took him a couple nope. of years to get used to the league and, and grow into it. And, and now look like what he's become. Right. So, you know, they're, they're not all, you know, Cindy Crosby's Ovechkin's, you know, Connor McDavid's Matthews. 
those are that's rare, right? It's rare for a young guy to come in and, and have an impact like that. So, um, I mean, I can't stress and preach enough for organizations. Just show some patience with their young guys. And, you know, I think Buffalo's done a good job of that with Darlene. And, um, you know, I think that patience now is is paying off and he's he has confidence and, um, it's it's obviously showing on the ice. It's it's it's, it's fun to watch. All right. Uh, agree, disagree. Mika Zibanejad is the most underrated elite center in the NHL. Agree, disagree. I could agree with that. Yep. I, I definitely I definitely could agree with that. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he's shown it for a couple of years now, right? It, you weren't sure if it was a flash in the pan his first couple of years there in New York, but I mean, he's shown it and uh, yeah. leading them all the way to the conference finals last year. So he's doing it in the playoffs as well. So I definitely can agree with that. How, how good can this Rangers team be? Like we all looked at the uh, Metropolitan and said, okay, I think we know, we know where the class of the division is. You know, we look at the Carolina Hurricanes and, mm-hmm. and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Really, they, they redid that blue line. And I know it was a tough one last night against Edmonton. We'll see tonight against Calgary. Um, but the Pittsburgh Penguins look real good to kick off the campaign. Uh, they've kept the band together, right? The boys are back together, re-signed everybody. I think we looked at the New York Rangers and said, okay, you know, this is a team that said they were rebuilding and were used to rebuilds being a bunny hop with two steps forward and one step back and two steps back and three steps right that's what we're used to rebuilds being right yeah um and we wondered about what we saw last season how good now that we're starting to see them again how good can this team be ryan yeah i mean i mean enough said my my, my pick to win the stanley cup this year was the new york rangers uh you know we, we, we did our polls with mm-hmm. with espn and I mean, that's, that's my feeling on him. I, you know, you had a guy like, you know, Adam Fox on the back end, you know, who, who's up, could be up for the Norris every year. Shesterkin and Nat um, could be up for the Vesna every year. And, and then you, up front, you know, Zabamjad, then you, you Panarin. Um, and I just look at their body of work, what they did last year, right? You know, they went from a, a team early on last year that seemed to just, rely on Shesterkin. We'll, we'll, you know, we're going to play a ton of offense and, and not worry about it. And, you know, he, yep. he's going to save us. And I, I felt as that year progressed, they started to worry about their own end a little bit more come playoff time. Um, you know, you, you can see they kind of switched to, to playoff hockey and, and ended up, you know, kind of squeaking by that Pittsburgh Penguins team um, in the first round. But then they all go to the conference finals and they gave the Tampa Bay lightning, everything they could handle in that conference finals. Um you know, so I look at that as okay. So now we, you get through that year. Now you take another step. Now you got guys like Lafiniere, Kako, Heedle, these younger guys. You know, yeah. now they have that playoff experience. You know, coming off of that, I expect them to be a little bit better this year, a little bit more well-rounded. So, um, you know, as you look at, as you said, you look at that division and in that conference. Obviously, there's some teams in there that that are going to be tough. But I mean, they're cream of the crop. You know, I got them right up there with with all those other teams. Uh, so the Rangers face off against the Avalanche this evening. Uh, one of your other former teams, the Tampa Bay Lightning, take on the Los Angeles Kings uh, tonight at 1030. Um, I've always maintained that it is the fool that writes off the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, <laughs> but does it kind of look like they've played a lot of hockey? 
in the last three or four seasons and you know like 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 the reality of playing that much like it catches up to you like we're all human beings here uh what do you again i am not betting against tampa i think it's a foolish individual that does but does it look like this is a team that's just played a ton of hockey the last three four years well they have i mean it's it doesn't look they definitely have have played a ton of hockey and 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 i think that's a little bit you know what's going on with their slow start but i think more importantly, you take a guy like Pilat out of your lineup who didn't get enough recognition. You talk about underrated players in the league. He's he's up there for number one for me. He, he did so much for that team um, as a complementary piece to top line, to penalty kill, to power play. Um, so you lose a guy like Pilat, who's who's loved in the room as well, uh, has been there forever. You lose a guy like McDonough, who, I mean, all he does in playoffs is, is eat up minutes and, and block shots and, and yep. kill penalties. Yep. Um, and then you also add in there, Sorelli's out right now as well with injury, right? Who, who's arguably up for, for, for a Selkie award, um, you know, year after year. So they've got some guys that have been plucked out of that lineup as long, as well as, um, you know, having these long runs and, and having that wear on you and, and not having a full summer of training. So, um, that's a team that, you know, I, I think once Sorelli gets back, that'll, that'll definitely help them. But as you said, it's a team I don't bet against. They just need to make the playoffs. And I think that's the mentality in that room. You got Vasilevsky in that, um, you know, but I, I think losing a guy like McDonough on the back end who, who ate up so much, so many minutes, um, that, that definitely hurts them. Uh, Cernak missed a little bit of time. I think it was the last game he missed as well. Who, who was another guy who's big on the penalty kill, um, for them. So, I think they're going through some things, some adjustment periods of, of losing some some top guys that they had, and, and also dealing with long playoff runs. But um, if there's a team and a coach that that can get back there and find a way to do it, it's it's definitely them. And um, I think the biggest thing I've liked so far is Stamkos. I mean, it seems like he hasn't missed a beat, and he's ready to go, and he, he's yeah. he's firing again in all cylinders. And it's uh, that's fun to see after all the injuries he he's gone through, but. You're right. I think they'll be there at the end. I think they'll make the playoffs. Um, you know, and I think if you ask the Tampa Bay Lightning, they'd be like, okay, let's make the playoffs and, and see what happens. That's the best time of our year. So, Yeah, and, and, and they don't care what position they're in either. I'm glad you mentioned Andre Pallad as well. I've always kind of looked at him as a mini Hosa. He's like Marion yeah. Hosa light or Marion Hosa in a minor key. You know, this uh, like overlap of, of, uh, of, of styles and how important he was to that organization. I know it's tough to get a headline. Uh, on a hockey team when you have Stamkos and Kucherov and Vasilevsky and Hedman and, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah. a lot was valuable to that. Yeah, he, so valuable to yeah, that he team. Is. He was, when I, when I played there, I mean, I, I loved to watch him play. I mean, he just does all the little things, right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the type of guy that really enjoys watching guys, you know, making the right play, making the right decision. Um, you know, making those little plays that no one really notices. And I'll tell you what, every single night he, he's a guy who did it. Uh, all the guys will tell you he makes it easy to play the game. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for this, man. Uh, always appreciate your time. Let's uh, let's do it again soon, my friend. Awesome, Jeff. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. There he is. Ryan Callahan from uh, from ESPN uh, talking about a number of different things, uh, whether it's intimidation, uh, whether it's the Buffalo Sabres and what they're doing right, whether it's Rasmus Dahlin, whether it's don't write off Tampa um, and the New York Rangers. And, you know, the one thing we should have mentioned with the Rangers as well, you know, 
I, we, I know we talk about Kreider a ton. I get it. Uh, we talk about Adam Fox, Igor Shosturkin. I get all that. Man, don't sleep on K. Andre Miller. Uh, I know that a lot of guys that tend to, you know, just mind the knitting in their own zone don't necessarily get all the headlines. You know, Fox will get the headlines for the points. Truba's going to get the headlines uh, for his physicality. Man, K. Andre Miller uh, is turning himself into an outstanding uh, defenseman. I know we'll focus on the kids and Lafreniere and Kako, et cetera, Heedle, uh, Mika Zibanejad. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention Artemi Panarin, who's just like, you know, leading the NHL in scoring. But don't sleep on K. Andre Miller. There's a real, real high-end uh, defensive player there. Uh, we got to hit a break. Speaking of defensive players, looks like Brandon Carlo is back for the Boston Bruins tonight. Uh, we will see the Boston Bruins face off against the Dallas Stars. You can watch that one on Sportsnet East Ontario and Pacific. Joining me next from Nesson and the Morning Brew podcast with Andrew Raycroft is my good friend Billy Jaffe. Uh, he'll catch us up on all things Bruin. Uh, don't go anywhere. Merrick Show continues. Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. I want to thank Ryan Callahan for stopping by, sharing some uh, expertise on the Tampa Bay Lightning, New York Rangers, and uh, Buffalo Sabres. We turn our attention now to the Boston Bruins, who will face off against the Dallas Stars this evening. Um, one of 10 games on the go around the NHL. Billy Jaffe from Nesson, uh, co-host of the Morning Brew podcast, which is excellent. Billy and uh, Andrew Raycrop, Razor, uh, as we like to call him. How are you today, Billy? Uh, I'm awesome. I'm digging the intro music, the little bump in music, kind of funky, kind of a funky <laughs> day here in Boston. I think it suits you real well, Is my it? funky friend. It's good to talk to you, buddy. Well, no, uh, listen, yeah, hockey time. Yeah, amen. Good to hear your voice again. Now, I'll tell you, when I hear, like, when I think Bruins stars. The first thing my mind goes back to is 81, the Minnesota North Stars and the Boston Bruins set the all-time penalty minute record. We all know that game that took yeah. a million. And it's av- it is available at you. It dropped about a year ago. just popped up suddenly. It had been like this, uh, this white whale of, uh, of videos. People always want to watch that entire game. It is available on YouTube now. It's, uh, maybe you've gone down that, uh, that dark road to watch that game. It's, uh, it's a wonderful one. But for whatever reason... Um, the Bruins and the Stars have always had something. And I'm not saying that tonight's going to be, you know, one of these legendary 81-type affairs. But, you know, there's, you know, Paye and Sawada. I remember when Avery was on the Stars, there was a big <laughs> one uh, as well between these two teams. Like, for Chris whatever Barch. reason, sometimes they're just <laughs> random. My, Chris, yeah, Barchi, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. For some reason, teams, uh, maybe it goes back to the old Adams division. I don't know. These two teams have always had something between them, Billy. Yeah, and, you know, it's because they're infrequent combatants, right? They they rarely, relatively speaking, yeah. face each other except once a year. But yet the Bruins have that with 15 other teams now in the Western Conference where they only see them one time a year at home and road each. <laughs> but yet, I mean, for some reason, they get a bit nasty. They're just a ton of fun, really. I mean, who doesn't love a good, whether it's a Donnybrook or not. I, and By the way, Donnybrook's a new definition now. Uh, or I'm sure for what a Donnybrook is, what it used to be. But, I mean, the, the Bruins, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, right now, Jeff, I, I don't know. Um, you know, they've got some toughness now. I mean, the kid, A.J. Greer, who I, you know, I don't know if you'll probably touch on him or not, yep. kid who's from Quebec, but t- grew uh, spent a lot of time in T.O. Um, he's He loves this, the rough stuff. Trent Frederick's still there. Um, but otherwise, they're not the old big bad Bruins that love to be nasty about it. But I, I'm really looking forward to this game because I just like the way both teams are playing right now, and I think it should be fast and intense hockey. First time I met A.J. Greer was in Red Deer. It was the Memorial Cup, and he was playing for Ruan Naranda. That was the year that he left BU and, and went to the QMJHL, and he was one of those he was one of those players where, yeah, there's a ton of skill there, but you also really got to keep your head up. You got to really keep your head up around A.J. Greer and, like, Look, don't don't sleep on the skill. He's a second round draft pick for uh, for a reason. Um, Boston's a fascinating team. We uh, we wondered at the beginning of the season with all the injuries whether this was going to be a team that just had to try to keep its you know head above water and is going to struggle and they're going to lose a lot of games. We didn't know what David Krejci was going to be like coming back after a a, a full season off. Uh, of the NHL, we didn't, you know, what the, know what this team was going to perform like or how they were going to look. Um, Billy, they're more than okay. Like, yeah. and when the reinforcements come, they might just be, they might just be downright scary, comma again, Billy. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. And we were asked, I was asked, you know, numerous times before the season, right? What do you think of the Bruins? And you know. Like a lot of people, to your point, not going to repeat everything you said, but it's dead on. You just don't know what they're going to be yet early on with all the injuries, especially to 73 and 63 McAvoy and Marchand. But I said, yeah. you know, here's the thing. This is just what I think. I thought that they would be better than a lot of people thought they were going to be. Really not that good this year. I didn't think they were one of those teams that barely made the playoffs. I felt it was kind of like feast mm-hmm. or like, uh-oh, are we going on that, mm. you know, that – that precipitous slide type thing. And I'm happy that as of right now, that it's the, you know, the former, not the latter, how, how good, how well that they played, how fast that they're playing, how Jim Montgomery's got them playing a style that is very pleasing to the eye. It can lead to some mistakes. Don't get me wrong, but it seems to really benefit what they've got going right now, Jeff. And they're a team that believes in what they're doing right now. And I know that sounds kind of cliche and maybe a, a tad broadcaster corny, but I, I, you know, like we can't forget that these guys are still human and they got to believe in what they're doing. And right now they're having, buddy, they're having fun. You know what? They're having fun mm-hmm. and they're playing now. We're two weeks into the season. So let's not go crazier, but they're having fun. So, so that's part of it. And when you're having more fun in this business, you're usually doing better. So that's what the guys are. They're, they're, you know, crazy looks, Although with gray hair now on the sides of his temples, you know, he looks fresh. <laughs> he looks good. His hands still are sublime. I mean, he's just such a, uh, yeah. I, I always, I always, the way I like to describe it, he just ladles the puck. It's like a soft, like a souffle, how he just ladles it off the ice and puts it somewhere that he just wants to, you know, just so beautifully, eloquently. Um, the big question for me, of course, they got to get everybody healthy, which I think is happening pretty soon, Jeff. I think it's happening sooner mm-hmm. than later, um, both Marchand and McAvoy. Uh, I, I think if they can stay healthy, this is a pretty darn good team up front, very solid in net. What are they going to end up being on the back end? I think that'll be the question, but I think that they could be a fun team that will, could do some damage. 
So you you wonder too if um, when you know McAvoy comes back, when Brad Marchand comes back, up until then, who will be the MVP? Like if I was to ask you right now, because I think the Bruins are surprising a lot of people based on expectations because of the injuries. Um, if I asked you right now who the MVP of this team was, why is the correct answer Hampus Lindholm? The correct answer would be Hampus Lindholm because he has been a dominant beast of a steadying force. Is that fair? Is that a is yeah. that a fair answer? Yeah. I don't, I, if this is a pop I'm, quiz, I'm, I, I hate, I'm biased. I, 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 <laughs> I, I love. I he's one of my favorite players. Like I I'm bi- I asked that one with full bias because I okay, I good. love Hampus Lindholm, but he's been fantastic. He's been fantastic for Boston. He's been great, especially the last couple of games. Uh, maybe it has something to do with also the familiarity with the Western Conference teams. I don't know because the Bruins have played a couple of Western sure. teams. The last one of them is his former Anaheim Duck squad. Um, yeah. He's a mammoth individual. He moves with brute force out there. He has very little hesitation. And, you know, I knew him as a player before he was with the Bruins, but I didn't know him as a player like I do now. Uh, he underhandles the puck, which is just a thing of beauty. And I just like I, I try and tell the kids that I coach all the time, watch him, do the same thing. Don't overhandle it. Underhandle yeah. it. Keep it on your forehead and move it quickly to a spot. And, boy, does he do it well. I don't know if people realize, because he's not a fighter at all. He's not even what I would call a big body checker. But what he is, he's got a lot of nasty to his game. You know? He's got a lot of subtle nasty to his game. Like, this guy, you know, he loves the, the, the physical end of it, but it's a different type of, of, of way he approaches it. And uh, he's, 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 it really is, and, and GMs make a lot of great moves and they make a lot of mistakes, right? They usually get lambasted mm-hmm. for their mistakes and they don't usually get lauded for their, their wins, right, that often. This is a big win for, for sure. Don Sweeney, getting him. Big. He's uh, literally and figuratively a big piece of this club. And when McAvoy, when, 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 when Charlie comes back, uh, you know, whether they play them together or they make two pairs, you're going to have two number ones. Mm-hmm. If they make two pairs, you got two number ones out there every almost every other shift. So th- that's interesting the way you describe uh, Lindholm. So I was talking to uh, to someone in the off season who knows him really well, who knows his game really well, and I said, "What's the one thing that you can tell me about Hampus Lindholm? One thing that he does better than anybody else in the NHL?" And the answer was fascinating. This person said to me. He said, I don't know that there's anybody better in the NHL who knows exactly how much force to use on a player to remove him from the puck, to separate him from the puck. Nothing is over the top with the hits, but he puts mm-hmm. enough force into, into, into contact that it's enough to make the other player unstable cause a turnover and Lin and Lindholm because he's not putting too much force into it. He's in position to make that play, spin it up and we're going back up the ice. He said that no one is better at reading how much force to use on a play than Hampus Lindholm. Yeah, it's accurate. Um, it is because he, he does such good separation and then step and go. He does. He does. He makes these plays. And again, he's got this mammoth reach too. you know, look, he's not six, nine like yeah. Chara, but he's six, four to six, six, four and a half or so, but he just plays longer. And again, because he's thick, he's a big man. He seals, he goes, uh, he is not afraid to carry the puck, but he doesn't try and beat you one on three. He, he just can, he, he actually gets steps on guys. I think he surprises guys 
with his power stride, you know, and his, I guess, then overall his speed. So he's been, he's been instrumental. He's been, you know, look, he's been tremendous. Lena Solmark has been tremendous and he's starting again tonight. He's scheduled to get his third consecutive start uh, per Jim Montgomery tonight. Uh, Pasternak for the most part has been fantastic. You know, he's putting up his points and then there's those two old guys, Bergeron and Krejci that have been, you know, dynamite down the middle. So they're getting big time performances, not just from one guy, from about six guys right now that are very instrumental uh, in, into the, the health, so to speak, of this team. You know, watching that game on Saturday afternoon against the Minnesota Wild, two things. One, great to see Chara before the game out there with his two boys. Uh, that was awesome. And then watching what seems to be, and again, we're only six games into this thing, seems to be a rejuvenated Taylor Hall. Now, he's playing with yes. uh, Krejci and Pasternak, as you well know, but like there seems to be an extra jump in Taylor Hall's step. True or false, Billy? Very true. Uh, he was very happy at the moment he got traded to the Boston Bruins. You know, that was quite the uh, conundrum, though, or, you know, the, the saga of getting out of Buffalo, et cetera. But he played well. He played beautifully yeah. when he came here. Regular season, playoffs, none of the Bruins were great. And then last year, uh, I thought he was very good. And I thought that he did more or less everything you could ask out of him. 60-point season. Um, but still yet, you know, you felt like there was a little more. I think we're seeing that this year. Uh, he's very happy. I mean, this is, think about the team that he's on here. First of all, just the, the group of veteran players. He's just one of the guys, right? He literally is one of the guys here. Yeah. He, he doesn't have to be Taylor Hall, the guy he's Taylor Hall, one of the guys. And I think that suits yep. his personality beautifully. He loves to talk with the media, but he doesn't have to talk to the media here. That's different, right? Like there's certain places he had to mm -hmm. because of who he is. Um, he is very much into playing either with Patrice Bergeron or David Krejci. And, you know, there was some question, where would he play with the season beginning, et cetera? He played with both, but now being back with Krejci and Pasternak, that's a big time comfort zone for him. His stride is powerful. Any, I don't need to tell you that anybody who's watched him skate knows how, how powerful he can be. He's a carrier of the puck. And he's doing it, but he's 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 doing it with such purpose, and he's got such skill around him on the line that he doesn't have to do it alone. So very true uh, to your statement about uh, about where he's at in his in his game. Mm -hmm. uh, any concerns about David Pasternak's future with Boston? It seems as if you know every time he scores, it feels like the price keeps going up for for David Pasternak. What's the what's the vibe around Boston there? It's funny. I feel like the vibe has tempered in the last couple of weeks since the season began when it was really at hitting a crescendo of, oh, my God, he hasn't been signed. He better be signed. Why the hell isn't he signed to, oh, there's David living in Pasteville and providing, you know, unbelievable. I'm trying to think of a food cliche, uh, magnificent dishes out the ice. You know, he's, 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 he's one big plate of, uh, of fresh pasta. I mean, he's uh, he he's so happy. He's so one of those few rare players that, you know, there's never a bad day. Now, we say that and we know that last year there were a lot of bad days for David, uh, a lot of tough times. Mm -hmm. And um, he's just in a wonderful spot after his offseason training. He says he wants to be here. He's acting like he wants to be here. The Bruins are saying they want him. Uh, sure, you're right. 
the optics of, I mean, 10, what is it, 10 points in six games? And, you know, That's all great. of a sudden, if he waits and he gets 100 and something points and he still hasn't signed, holy smokes. You know, the questions, you know, going to kind of come down to for other teams, who else can afford him? And, and, and would he really want to go there? In addition to the fact that, you know, like this is that's a long ways away. I keep saying I think it's going to get done. I think it's going to get done sooner than later. I just think that there's mm-hmm. obviously a lot of look-see at how well he's playing, where is the team going to be at, and also, Jeff, salary cap going to be up. And that will impact not just next year, but two, three years down the road because that could impact the deal. But yeah. you know more or less where he's going to be. You know that. You know it's not going to be nine-something. You know it's going to be between, I don't know, 10 and a half and 11 and a half. You got right? Oh, yeah. I mean, give or take. Oh, yeah. I mean, wherever oh, yeah. he goes. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's it's double digits everywhere. Let me let me let me close on this one. Uh, up against the clock here, uh, I mentioned Shara uh, in Boston on Saturday. That was fantastic. I love the 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 video they put together, the tribute, the ovation, all of it. The kids on the ice. I love the whole thing. Daniel Alfredson today was in Ottawa getting suited up for his, his Hall of Fame, etc. And the Hall of Fame awaits for Zidane Chara once the the mandatory yep. waiting period is over. Um, and, you know, Alfredson was talking about how great it is to be back around the rink. We all know why he hasn't been around the rink and hasn't been around the team, but that's it's it's all different now. Is there a future for Charo with the Boston Bruins in some capacity? Like, I know he's the, the person that can do whatever he wants with his life, but mm-hmm. I always think it's great when the greats are around the organization. Is there something there for Chara? I would imagine so. Uh, I feel like it's an obvious for both um but he is mm-hmm. such a unique human being he's, he's such a, a bright individual and as you said uh one of those i can do what i want to do and he will he will always have numerous interests there's no question about it. i, I got to imagine they, heck they, they could they could pay him a million dollars just to bring him in every year and challenge all the young guys in the uh, fitness testing and, and he'd still beat them probably just to <laughs> you know just to scare them um but yeah, yeah i, I I would think if it's kind of a lame answer, sorry, but if, if he wants it, yes, if he wants yeah. it, I can't, but I don't know, you know, I've only seen him once uh, for about six seconds uh, since we've been back and mm-hmm. said hello. And that was it. And uh, I would think if you, if you did the old, you know, if I had to put 20 bucks down on this, sure, I would, meaning I, I could see something working out. Do I see it happening right away? I don't know. He's got such a young family, you know. He's got the twin boys. He's got another. He's got a daughter. Yep. Um, and you know, I, I think my guess is everybody always says one or two years seems to be the reset time. You know, after they've had that long of you know of, of time to settle yep. to do really a lot of other things. And Jeff, if that's what it takes, why not? I mean, there's some opportunity for him. You you, you have a, a guy like Cam Neely who's been around a while now, who, who rose through the ranks and has been team president for a long time, and. You know, I mean, could we see yeah. that eventual torch being passed? It, what the hell do I know? But it makes sense, at least on on, on, on the surface. It does. It does. Yeah. Uh, you're great. Continued success, uh, both Nesson and The Morning Brew. It is an outstanding podcast. Best to raise her. And next time you see uh, you see Soph, tell her we miss her at the having her around the shop here. Um, and we I miss will. you too, Billy. Uh, I you miss well, me in there, friend. man. We'll talk soon. I do. Great to... 
Great to talk with you. And uh, sorry, we don't get to see each other much. A lot of fun. I will see Sophia tonight. She's on the desk with me and Razor tonight. So you'll get a lot of Jeff nice. and Eric love tonight on the show. We will uh, We will watch for you on the magic eyeball. Thanks, Billy. You be well. See you. Bye. There he is, uh, the great Billy Jaffe Bruins and Stars on Sports at East Ontario and Pacific. That game at 7 o'clock Eastern. I want to thank everyone for stopping by the program today. Uh, Billy Jaffe, you just heard from. Before that, Ryan Callahan from ESPN. Kevin Kurtz from The Athletic and Elliot Friedman. We're back tomorrow.